0: So this morning, of course, it's Independence Day. I think you've heard that. I think they've sang about it. You know, but growing up in America, as a schoolboy, we were were taught to learn and, and kind of forced to learn that little speech, at least the end of the little speech, that Patrick Henry had. And it went like this, it says, Is life so dear and peace so sweet to be purchased at a price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I care not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. I think most of you have heard that. Most of you know that. At least the end part, give me liberty or give me death. But today, people don't understand freedom. They don't have a clue what it is. People define freedom as being able to do whatever you wanna do when you wanna do it. And if you read the story of the prodigal son, there's a perfect example of somebody who wanted to do something when he wanted to do it. He talked his father into giving him his inheritance a little early, and he went and spent it. In today's culture, he would have spent it on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. In that culture, it was mostly whatever he could do for self-indulgence, self-gratification. And some of us accept... Freedom is being able to self-gratify ourselves. And that's not what it's all about. That's just another form of slavery. He left his father's house and became a slave to his own gratification. It owned him. But the true meaning of freedom is being able to do and be all you were meant to be. Remember, God said he knew you in the womb. He has a purpose for you. He has a divine thing for you. It may be this, it may be that. But God has and he created you for a purpose to glorify his kingdom. And freedom gives you the ability to do that. Thank you, Lord. To fulfill it. So we find today in our scripture that Jesus is in the temple courts. It's right after the Feast of Tabernacles. And we come to John 8, 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in me, in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In the beginning of chapter 8 of John, Jesus is talking to those who refused to believe in him. Those who just did not believe in him at all. But in this part, at chapter, or verse 31, he begins the conversation now, talking to those that believe in him. But as he utters those words, If you believe in me, if you believe in my word, then you are truly my disciples. He finds out that the the Jewish people don't, their faith is a little different. Their faith is a little different. They came to Jesus. They saw the miracles he did. They heard the teaching, but they still weren't convinced that he was of God. They wanted to follow him, but their faith had a little bit different direction. They responded to Jesus and said, hey, don't you understand we're descendants of Abraham? They placed the value on their ancestry rather than what on Jesus did. And Jesus said to them, I know You are Abraham's descendants, but yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And he's talking about, okay, God has told me what to do. God has told me what to say. I follow what my father tells me but you have an earthly father and you're following what he's telling you. He goes on in scripture and he says you're you're of the devil, he tells them. Your father is of the devil. What he really means is your father is of the world. If you're my people, you follow my word. Jesus again goes back and he he hits him again and says, to remain in Jesus' words, you've got to obey him. How can you say you believe in Jesus? How can you call yourself a Christian and not believe in what he tells you? How can you only obey what you decide you want to obey and disobey everything else? You're not really a Christian. I would question your salvation. I would believe that you're not really saved. Mm -hmm. You may think you are, but if you're not obeying everything that God tells you in his word, then are you really saved? Is eternity with Christ really going to be your home? We believe that Jesus is not only our savior, but he alone, He alone paid the debt for our sins. He alone gave us eternal life, all that trust in Him. But that's trusting in all of Him. Not just the parts we handpick, not just the parts we like, but all of it. It becomes all or nothing. Yes, Jesus set us free of sin, we are no longer slaves to sin. But a lot of us are slaves to other things. Some of you are slaves to the almighty dollar. You worship it, you bow down to it. If money had feet, you'd be kissing it. And if you're not that way, you know people that are. Whenever they have an opportunity to make money, whether it's on the Sabbath day, a day that you set aside for God, they will go and, and make their money. Whether that's you know at a different time, at a different place, all they care about is the dollar. And I've told you many times about the God that used to live live in our complex. I mean his God was his cars because he kept them covered. And every day, take the cover off and wipe them down and wax them. And then he put the cover back on. He never drove them, he just covered them, cleaned them, covered them again. He worshiped them. We are set free to be all that God would have us be. And the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ sets us free. It gives us that. If you continue in my word, he said, you are truly disciples of mine. If you continue in my word. I mean, that's kind of tough for people that had the ancestry and they're sitting there in the first century church and they're going, Well, we're descendants of Abraham. Jesus basically said, well, if you are, then you need to follow me. What proof, what signal factor is there that any person is a follower of Jesus? I mean, we have the profession of faith Everybody says, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. I'm free to do that. But we have to continue in his word. We have to remain and stay in his word. The idea that scripture and taking away parts of scripture will enhance your life is false. Scripture has to be the centerpiece of our life. God's word has to be what we focus our everyday life on. It has to be the operating manual for our life. I mean, you've all had automobiles. They all come with an owner's manual. The Bible is God's owner's manual for your life. How to live it, how to guide it. I mean, you'll see things there that are happening today They're no different. I mean, there may be different items used, but it's the same sins, it's the same wickedness, it's the same thing going on. When someone comes to believe in Jesus, it's a total, total surrender. You have to trust him all the time in those tough decisions that you need to make and those heartbreaking ones. I mean, when I got saved, there were people that were friends of mine that I could no longer associate with because they wanted to take me back down into the world. They wanted to live there. And it's very easy to fall. So you have to make those changes. Jesus defines the follower of Christ to be one who is continually drinking the word of Christ, meditating on it, conforming to it, as life, devoting their life to Christ. Paul put it in what, 2 Corinthians 5.17? What does he tell us? Everybody knows it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Being born again, being fresh, being brand new, taking away all that old stuff that held you, that tied you, that bound you, that kept you imprisoned to things. And we've all been there. Every single one of us has been there. We know what it's like to be a slave to something. But now we're a slave to Christ. But there is freedom in that. There is peace in that. There is joy in that. Because when you trust Christ, you know that he's right there with you. That he says he will never leave you nor forsake you. So therefore, he's there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it said it happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit empowered the apostles to preach the word of Christ, the gospel of Christ. Thousands of Jews suddenly came to Christ and began to grow in their personal relationship with Christ as their father. Verse 42 says they continually devoted themselves to the apostles, to the teachings. And the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Notice the word continually. They never stopped. They were constantly in the word. They were constantly in Christ. And understand, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a New Testament. They had to follow whatever the apostles were teaching them. Because the apostles learned it from Jesus. Now they've written it down in a form that we have it. They say there's over 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament in the Greek. That's how many copies they made. But if we're continuing in Christ's word, and then we have Matthew 28 Verse 18, where he commands us and instructs us to go out and teach and preach the word, heal the sick, raise the dead, share share their gospel with all nations, and continue to do that. The church today, in some fashion, some church try to follow the model of the Acts chapter two church, with the fellowship, the prayer, and the breaking of bread. And they try to keep it as close as they can. And then others have just gone off and done whatever feels right. There's a great difference in that. Paul wrote in Colossians 3.16, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord isn't that what we try to do here every every sunday isn't that how we start our worship opening our hearts to christ singing songs of praise to him thanking god for who he is admonishing Him. And then we come in and we get into God's word and we listen to what God has to say to us. And he just reminds us today that freedom is being able to choose to be who God wants you to be. You have the ability to be who God wants you to be. And you have the ability to do that. And it may be, you know, working in a factory. And if it is, you just be the best factory worker you can be. Amen. It may be working with the public and then you just deal with the public the best you can because what you do glorifies God. Your work glorifies God. Hallelujah. The job he's given you glorifies him because you're doing it the best you can to your ability. Therefore, you're bringing glory to God. You know, as I researched this sermon, I found some statistics from the Center of Bible Engagement. It was a survey they did of 40,000 Americans ranging from the ages of eight to 80. And they discovered certain things. They had statistical analysis revealed that age, gender, church attendance, prayer, Christians that were engaged in scripture most days of the week had lower odds of getting drunk, having sex outside of marriage, participating in pornography, gambling, any other addictions, because they were engaged in scripture more days of the week than anything else. They discovered the number of times a person was engaged in a Bible per week had a lot to do with their Christ-like behavior. In other words, they said that if someone was engaged in scripture zero to three times a week, there would be hardly any change in them. That they would remain pretty much the same. But when you became, where you were studying scripture four times a week, five times a week, six, seven, you had much higher odds of increasing your faith. Discipling one another went up to 231% was the chances of that. Memorizing scripture was 407% of the people, if they were in scripture, at least four or five times a week. So there's even scientific proof that Jesus' word on a daily basis will change your life. And that's what Jesus said. He said to them, they will know if your disciples if you're in my word if you're listening to my word, if you're reading my word, if you're meditating on my word, you are free to be all that my Father plans for you. In verse 39 of that same scripture, chapter 8 of John, they answered him, the Jews, and they said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to him, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, nor have myself come for myself. But he sent me. He sent me. So Jesus is trying to convince these Jews that say they believe in Jesus. They believe in Christ. They believe in God, but they don't believe in him. Paul himself confessed that before he was a Christian, he was a slave to sin. And only Jesus Christ could rescue him from his sin nature. so that he was free now not to sin. We're all free not to sin. I mean, Jesus knows that every once in a while we're gonna backslide, we're gonna have that little rage. Something's gonna come about. But there's also many people sitting in churches today that willingly live in sin. They willingly sin. They get into conversations, they do a things that just bring about sin and they do it willingly that is not going to lead to eternal life that is not going to lead you down that path Jesus says there is power through his word you heard it sang this morning there is power in the word of God there is power in the name of Jesus there is power, power, power in Jesus there is no power in the world there is power in Jesus rejoice in it Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us he gave us the spirit of the living God to dwell within us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to come alongside us, to walk with us, to comfort us in those times when we just need somebody to comfort us. I mean, sometimes, you know, we live alone. We really do. We may have spouses, we may have Roommates. But we really live by ourselves. And we need Christ. Christ will guide us in everything we do if we just surrender to him. If we just study his word. If we just listen to what he has to say to us. But so many of us, We want to be like Frank Sinatra and do it our way. I did it my way. And God's going to say, how'd that work out for you? You're going to go before God and he's going to say, get away from me. I do not know you. Nobody wants to hear those words. Everybody wants to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Those other words are going to come too. Those other words are going to come. He says without pursuing holiness, you're not going to see the Lord. Holy living. Holy living. Pursuing God's righteousness. He said hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be filled. We talked about that. We talked about developing a hunger for God. This is the result of developing a hunger for God As you are set free. You are set free. All those chains that bound you, all those addictions, all those ways of the world that held on to you are broken. Yet we still have problems with that. We still deal with those issues. We still deal with those issues. But Lord, we just thank you for being who you are. We just thank you, Lord, for being who you are. Study God's word. Spend time in God's word. If you abide in my word, Jesus says, You are my disciples indeed. But you gotta abide in his word. Not abide in CNN. Not abide in what comes out of the White House. Not abide in Fox News. Abide in his word. For Jesus' word is powerful. Let's stand. Come on up, Chris. His word. Attention to who he is. Attention to what he says. We have so much that God has to offer us. There is so much that Jesus will do for us so much that we have to understand we have to spend time with him we have to spend time in his word we have to spend time in prayer because that's really what's going to set you free that's really what's going to make the difference that's really what's going to help you this morning This morning, if you need...